Hello and welcome to Soccer Raid Stories brought to you by Stat Sports. This is the brand new podcast series where in each episode, I'm joined by a different celebrity and a legendary footballer to talk about their childhood, their love of football, and of course, all things Soccer Aid for UNICEF. Soccer Aid is the world's largest celebrity football match. And over the years, we've raised over 47 million to support UNICEF's amazing work for children around the world. This year, it's all of us against COVID for every child everywhere. Every donation will be doubled up to 6.3 million until the 30th of November, thanks to the Children's Investment Fund Foundation, so you'll make double the difference for children. Right, let's meet today's guests. On the show today is someone who won the FA Cup with Portsmouth, and he also starred for Liverpool, West Ham and Man City, as well as winning 53 caps for England. It is, of course, David James. Alongside Jamo is one of my best mates at a Soccer Aid legend himself. It is Mark Wright. The reason we're doing this podcast is to raise money for UNICEF and the great work they do for children around the world. So I wanted to go back to the beginning of your life. So beginning, talk about your childhood, come to you first, Wrighty. What was it like in Essex when you was a child? What was it like? You've got a big family, haven't you? Yeah, I've got a big family. It was just kind of... We just had so much fun. I've got so many cousins and I've got a brother and two sisters. And I was very um, outdoorsy type. I was always playing football in the garden, always out on my bike. And of course, one of the things that UNICEF are doing is is creating safe places for kids to, to play. And I was fortunate enough to grow up in a very safe place, in a safe area that my mum and dad could let me out on my bike. And they know that I wouldn't come back with glass in my feet and I had shoes to wear and safe park areas to be. And when I went to South Africa to see one of these townships of what UNICEF have done, the, the township itself definitely wasn't safe for these kids to play. But what UNICEF had done had created a safe area for them. And just to see the kids like go into this area away from this extremely difficult living condition that they had, that's what made me emotional, actually. So when you go back to my childhood growing up, it just made me think how lucky I was and how lucky I think we all are. I think anyone in England, to be honest, compared to what, some of these other kids around the world who UNICEF are helping we're just so fortunate and I was fortunate enough to have this and just to see the kids faces when they just came in just to have this tiny play area that to us would have been just okay because we had fields and streets that were safe they had this one little area that was brilliant and incredible but it just meant so much to them you know no it's similar to me I went obviously over to Kenya I think was it 2018 I think it was and I remember going over there and seeing the conditions that the kids were in at the time and the fact that UNICEF had created this sort of soccer school for them to go to. And when they go there, they get they get a shower and they get their, their dinner for the day or their food for the day. And you know, it's just one meal. But like you said, the, the conditions that they were living in and the safe area, there wasn't a safe area for them to play football. So they created this area for them to do that. And it was just a bit like you, right? I just sat there and thought, wow, I grew up in Essex and I was very fortunate to be safe I was I was very fortunate to be able to go out and play football all day every day and not have any issues or any worries uh, what about yourself David have you uh, what was your upbringing like yeah I mean it's interesting listening to you two guys talk because you know for the UNICEF as you, you've explained I haven't been on any of the UNICEF trips so I don't I haven't firsthand seen the the great work that they've been doing but we also have to, have to understand that UNICEF help people across the world not just in Africa and, and the difficulties yeah, that these course, kids yeah. are facing and UNICEF is trying to help, the spectrum is so wide. I mean, my upbringing, I was born in England, born in Wellingarden City. With regards to the environment, I had a, a, a very 
comfortable, dare I say, upbringing. My mum was a single parent, so I'm one of eight wow. kids. So there was a there was a lot in my family, but there was only only myself and my brother who lived with my mum. The rest of the kids were were out in Jamaica with the dad. So. Um, in different ways, there were different challenges. But when you're talking about safe, safe places, yeah, that we, you know, the the old cliche when we talk about it in, in football about sort of playing till the, you can't see the football anymore on a grass. Th- those sort of things apply to me. I'm, me and my, my mates, I, I'm assuming they were my mates. There's so many people <laughs> on a football pitch, you didn't know who was playing half the time. But you know that kind of thing. But as I say, I haven't been on any of the UNICEF trips. But what I did find on an FA trip to Malawi, we went out there in 2005. I say we, um, Rear Ferdinand and Gary Neville, who's going to be a teammate of mine again, I, I believe. He is. Yeah, going to be some interesting <laughs> chats. But we went out to Malawi on an HIV/AIDS awareness campaign. It was such an eye opener because when I started playing football and got into into my career, it's just football, football, football. We we went to many different countries, but it was to play football as opposed to doing anything else. So to be invited out on this trip and to see what Malawi was like, and I know UNICEF do work in Malawi as well, and we we did a <laughs> we had a kick around on a, on a pitch. And it was the first time I'd actually witnessed the players, the young girls, young boys, with one football boot on, playing on a surface which we would probably ride a BMX on as opposed to play football with. And they're doing slide tackles. They're enjoying themselves. And again, this is the beauty of football, that these guys, it wasn't their first kick around. It was something they obviously regularly did. But the way that it kind of united people, got people into a, into a like you say, a safe space. So... And this is what makes soccer aid so important, the fact that we do this, you know, to raise that money. It, it is. And I mean, I, I came back from there. And I mean, let's say we were on an HIV AIDS awareness campaign and I was thinking these guys are going to teach us. Like, there's nothing I can say to them because I haven't experienced it anyway, which way they have. But I, uh, I came back from there and set up a, an agricultural foundation. And similar to what you're talking about, safe spaces, in a sense, what we tried to create was an area where people had an opportunity to develop, get education and then have a better life afterwards, you know. So um, I, I fully empathise with uh, a lot of the work that UNICEF have done. One of the reasons why I wanted to get involved with Soccer Aid, as opposed to just playing with you and writing. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I just, just, so David, we've um, been talking on the podcast with a few of the guests about, well, you just said then you were playing football till you, could, you couldn't see the ball anymore. So when did you realized that you as a goalkeeper when did you realize that that was your position when did you go you know what i'm good at this was it because you just wasn't good on the outfield you just couldn't pass you were just just not good so you just decided to go and go well the the funny thing right so i'm uh, i i say it's a vivid memory i think i've said it that many times that whatever i've been talking about is probably slightly different to to what actually happened but i do know that we had um at school i was like nine ten years old had no football in my family single parent my mum wasn't a sporty person so I didn't have anyone to go and play football with or take me out and have a kick around so uh used to do the school lessons you know lunchtime when the guy who got is probably I can imagine you two being this guy you know lunchtime he's got his own football he goes out does a few knees up and uh has a kick around with <laughs> that's right all day long that is right so he's got a ball in his bag he walks to school he's got kicking it with his... I actually do kick-ups all the way to school three miles he's got the <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> probably had the best boots well, on. I, I was I was a kid yeah. that wouldn't get picked. I'm standing in the pitch, middle of the pitch, and the the ball is being passed or kicked around me, and I'm I'm that sort of weird kid who's probably thinking about I don't know anything but football. 
But I did look behind me and I was looking at the kid in goal. Just every shot went in and I thought, oh, I reckon I could I could do better than he did. So I went in goal, stopped a few wow. shots. Then people went, oh, you're really good at this. I thought, okay, I'll do it some more. And then it was kind of like that, that I say encouragement, that uh, I gained confidence from people telling me I was good at something. I wonder if any of them kids from the playground that day watched the World Cup when you were playing golf for England and said, I was there when he first got in the sticks. They, do you know what? They probably don't even know. I mean, this is the thing. It's kind of with, with nine, ten-year-old kids playing a, in a, a school session. So, And the thing that frustrated me, I mean, if I could just sort of fast forward a little bit, was in answer to your question, Ollie, I'd never really tried to play outfield because no one ever taught me to play outfield. So it was just me saving shots. You know, the fact that I was athletic and I could jump around a lot. I used to do gymnastics as a kid. Used to be a boxing. I was always doing sporty wow. stuff. I mean, I, the same school, I got a Barger Awards. I don't know if you know what Barger, British Ath uh, Amateur Gymnastics Association. I was the only boy in the school who was doing gymnastics. So, you know, I was kind of a little bit different in that sense. And um, sort of fast forward, I, I joined the Cub Scouts, couldn't get in their team. And I was like, all right, yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> what's going on? I couldn't get in the, I think, the district team. It was all these little, little things. And it wasn't that I wanted to be a, professional football it was just that I loved playing and just thought I could play for anyone so um, I did have a, a little spell out when I broke my finger scored a hat-trick for the league rep team which was awesome but they could quickly <laughs> shut me back in goal once my finger was all right <laughs> yeah I bet they did because they weren't conceding <laughs> then and Mark what about you when you was younger was it just football 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 was there any other sports you was good at or was it just me for I was a bit like David I used to take part in every sport and I, I did gymnastics and I think I can one better that as well oh. I did ballet no way yeah I wasn't very good at it I bet there's a picture somewhere <laughs> I bet there's a picture somewhere uh, I can find you one or my mum can definitely <laughs> find you one I played cricket I did ice hockey as a kid. I mean, football was my number one passion. Apparently, my first word was born. Me and my brother used to play in my mum's living room, used the vases for goalposts, which she never liked. But we used to play football like from the age I could walk, really. I just absolutely loved it. I've got a pair of boots still. They're about that big. They're like the oldest school boots. I don't even know what the make is. If I showed you them, it's like something out of the <laughs> 1920s. Yeah. Um, I just loved football. That's all I ever did. And there was no way you going in goal, is there? You didn't want that. You didn't want <laughs> you that football what? in your face. That's why you got such a pretty face. Do you know what? I used to like. <laughs> I used to like going in goal, and we used to have a trampoline in the garden and a goal. We used to put the trampoline in the goal, and then you have to score like between the trampoline and the, the crossbar, and you get to dive on the trampoline. But once I went on Tony Cutty's soccer school, and where I used to go on all these soccer schools across the summer holidays for like six weeks holidays, this one course. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with the goalkeepers. And I did a goalkeeper course for like that week. Wow. Don't get me wrong. When I was watching the five aside and that, I was like itching to get over there, but I'd already signed up. Yeah. And so, and also what games did you, what was the game that you'd play with your mates? So <sighs> my game was, we called it Wembley. The game that we played was Wembley. Yeah, of course. Wembley doubles. I was just thinking about this the other day. It was how bizarre. We, we used to play, there was a game called Cooler. Cooler? Well, we called it Cooler. There was a World Cup which was essentially Wembley singles or doubles. Cooler was uh, headers and volleys, I think, you might call it. Now, you weren't, you couldn't... We used to call it fumble. My one was called fumble for some reason. It was always, you had to keep... Did you ever play 60 seconds? Nah, none no, none of us had watches. What's that? I think, I, I think that was... No, I think that was uh, headers and volleys, but you had to score within 60 seconds and only with your head. Oh, no, no. We, we, headers wow. and volleys, you could only volley outside six-yard box. It had to be a header inside the box. There was three-and-in shooting. Three goals, and you swap the goalie. World Cup was all right, but you had the same goalie all the way through it. 
Yeah, that is true. And actually, I, uh, here's one for you. So, we, and I was doing some coaching at Luton, and I got the uh, the bomb squad. So you know the bomb squad. Yeah, I know that I was in it all last year at Crawley. <laughs> so, so what? Just for just so uh, just so you know, the bomb squad is the ones who got bombed out before the game on the Saturday. So, <laughs> right, right, his face as you said it as well. Yeah, I know, mate. I was ca- I was captain of the bomb squad. <laughs> When I had the bomb squad at Luton, literally every player was going to go and play for a different team, you know, like on loan, whatever, that weekend. So you can't do any tactical stuff. So I said, right, let's let's have a game of World Cup doubles. Brilliant. And I'd, go, I'd go in goal and then I'd have World Cup doubles. Let's please do it at Soccer Let's play Wembley doubles. That'd be sick. Uh, we should. We should do that. We should all pick a partner as well. We can't. It's, it can't be all like, it can't be me and you, Ray, for example, as a pair. It can be. It can be. As if we're not going to be together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put you with Joel. <laughs> Joel Dom. Yeah. Uh, we, we were chatting to him on one of the other episodes and he was, he, bless him, he, he is quite, he's very honest. He knows he can't play football. Just because I want to win Wembley doubles, I'm going to put him with you. Uh, Joel's all right. He's not, bad, he's not a bad player, Joel. I think he's, uh, he, he, put, he puts himself down to lower expectations. I, I reckon, Ollie, what we do is we, we actually seed the squad. Yes, I like this. And then we could actually have an official draw, similar to a World Cup. That's a good idea. Soccer Aid for UNICEF takes place at the Etihad Stadium on Saturday, the 4th of September. And you can buy your tickets at soccerade.org.uk. So, right, you're going to love this. This year, for the game, for training, everything, we're going to be stat sports up. So you are going to have not just, I mean, you look the part anyway and you play the part, but you are going to have a stat sport vest on. It's going to monitor your heart rate. It's going to show, actually going to show us who the quickest person in the team is, which would be interesting. I'm just going to uh, just add, jump in there. Stat sports actually um, did us training before, as you know, but we did it when we trained at Fulham's training ground, Ollie. When we checked the stat sports after, I ran faster than Mo Farah. Just putting it out there. You know what? Actually, I, I thought you was going to say me, but yeah, you're right. I do remember that now. So, right, obviously you just spoke about Mo Farah, okay? So I can actually, Stat Sports has done soccer before. And actually, I've got some stats here from 2019. Just for the game, Usain Bolt's fastest speed at Stamford Bridge was clocked at 31.5 kilometers an hour, okay? Wow. But the fastest on the pitch was actually Jeremy Lynch. He was 31.7 kilometers an hour. So we've got some interesting performance stats. In 2019, Mo Farah covered 8.1 kilometers during the game. He's done 8K. David Beckham, in the England versus Greece game in 2001, the World Cup qualifier at Old Trafford. Was you there, J-Mo? Uh, yeah, I was watching on the bench. Was you in the bomb squad? I was in... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, David Beckham, England versus Greece in 2001. What do you think he did? Go on. I'll tell you. 8K is not a lot for a 90-minute game. Centre-halves do 8K. Midfielders do about 12K, 12 and a half, sometimes 13, depends. Ooh. The fact you've brought up a stat from 2001 means Beckham did a lot. And I remember him running round a lot. I reckon it's in between 13 and a half and 15. Jamo. I reckon he had 13 free kicks in that game, which would have meant that's nearly quarter of the game where he wasn't running. I like what Wright is saying. I, I, my, my head wants to say that he'd done 7.9. 7.9? 7. 
spent most of the time taking free kicks. J-Lo, <laughs> you do that many in a game. He did. Do you know how much he did? He ran 16K. Oh, I thought you meant the first half. Nah. <laughs> yeah, all right, J-Mo. 16K, David Beckham ran in that game. Ridiculous. That's a lot of K. That is a lot of running. I wonder if we could do that this year. I played a friendly the other day and did 11 and a half K and it went to extra time. So David Beckham is a beast. Well, I mean, talking to Soccer Aid this year, how are you feeling, right? Are you feeling super fit? I mean, you're doing 11K and you was at Crawley Town last season. So surely... Yeah, I, I'm, no, but the fit, I, I was injured well, I, for quite a long time. So I, normally I would have kept it up gradually, but I've had a big break. So now I'm hitting it hard as we speak. I'll be all right, yeah. Not my fittest year, but I'll be fit. What was your fittest year then? You say that every year. <laughs> every time I've met you, you go, oh, no, I'm not as fit as I was. I'm not as fit. I'm not as fit. The first year was my fittest year. I think I ran 12 and a half K in that game. Yeah, but it does get harder as you get older, right? That's very true. <laughs> well, how old was you when you did soccer the first time? 29. Yeah, exactly. I'm 37 now. The first time I did it, I was 26. Wow. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. What about you, J-Mo? How are you feeling? You feeling fit and ready? Uh, well, yes. Do you play still or how do you train? Did you go to the gym? What's your daily routine? What? Well, I've kind of, during lockdown, I was doing pretty much every day, I was doing an hour on a bike just so I could mix on my laptop. So it's a weird thing. It's kind of like I thought, I'm sat down doing nothing. Rather than just sat doing my laptop, mixing on my laptop, I can jump on a bike for an hour, do a mix. So uh, I was quite religious about that in the sense that I've probably missed half a dozen days during lockdown. So that side kept me fit. Wow. Uh, with regards to football, I played, played last weekend in a LGBTQ plus transgender game, which is one of the first, which was sanctioned by the FA down in Brighton. Amazing. Yeah, in Whitehawk. Played outfield for the first half. Uh, winning goal second half and I felt tight in my calf so I came off because in my head it was like I'm not getting injured before soccer aid it was one of these things where I'd been doing loads of fitness then moved all I've been doing is lugging boxes and basically laboring for a few weeks which I felt quite fit with but it's not football fit is it but just just hearing you David James that's played at the highest level played in world cups played in the premier league for you to say, I didn't want to get injured for soccer, Don't see it I just love seriously. that. I absolutely, that for me is just brilliant. Ollie, listen, it's uh, it's one of these weird things about soccer aid. I say weird things. You've probably heard this uh, in no in all the in all the time you've been involved. You've probably heard this quite often from the ex pros. There's one thing about being able to go and play at the Etihad. You know, obviously an old team of mine in, in Man City. If it wasn't for why we're going there for UNICEF, for Soccer Aid, then it would just be another testimonial. And I've played in enough of these, I say testimonial, I've played in enough uh, old man football games. The, the whole context of Soccer Aid is, needs to be appreciated and respected. So as I say to you, I'm coming off in Brighton because it's like, no, I'm not going to get injured. I'm going to have to do some more training. My bike's ready to get on there. I've got the ball ready. I've got my weights in. So it's kind of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to a game tonight. Yes. The builder who helps me out is some place football. So uh, I'm going to go in his garden, get him to kick a few balls at me. So I'll be ready. <laughs> and when was the last time you was at the Etihad? When did you last play there? Ollie, I think the last time I played there was for Portsmouth and we lost we lost 6-0. <laughs> You're joking me. <laughs> and that's why it was the last game you played. <laughs> oh, no. was, the, was the ground up was the ground up when you when you was there yeah 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 when I signed for City I think it was their second season no 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 it was the first season who was your manager Kevin Keegan 
Kevin Keegan. Wow. It was called Easterns at the time. How should we prepare and should we be scared or excited to be managed by Sven? It, do, it depends who he comes with. Because uh, obviously with England, he had Tord. Tord was like Yoda. No, it's just Sven. Sven's coming on his own this time. It was an interesting dynamic because Tord, as I say, was like, uh, like Yoda. Didn't seem to say a lot, whereas Sven, if I say Luke Skywalker, he's probably like Ben uh, Obi-Wan. He was the one who would say things. <laughs> and I, I love Sven because he'd been me a couple of times, which you might not think is a good thing, but it's the way that he did it. He was very honest, respectful. What, what are we going to expect as a team is what he says is clear, concise. He, he knows the game and I'm, I'm sure with his experience, he knows how to get teams ready for these types of games as opposed to trying to win the World Cup, so to speak. But um, yes, yeah, Ben, wonderful, wonderful man. And also crowds are back. Yes. Etihad. I mean, the reason I was asking about the Etihad is because I've never played there before. I've, I've only been there for a couple of games and uh, we're going to have 50,000 plus fans this year. So that's, like you said earlier, you know, UNICEF, we, we love doing this because one, we raise tons of money and, and also, I think what's even more special about this year is we, we always raise great money and the UNICEF do such a great job. And But I also think having the fans back in a football stadium all together, I just think it's going to be even more special this year to have them back at the stadium. What's the atmosphere going to be like? This is where I was going to go with this. Uh, when I first went there, I, I remember getting a taxi from the, the airport because I left West Ham to go to, uh, to Man City. I'm with a taxi driver, a Man City fan. I said, what's the new stadium like? And he's gone... Ah, no atmosphere. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, oh, well, they split up the singers and all this stuff from, from Main Road and whatever. I said, well, it's, surely it's about the football, not the, you know, the fans necessarily. Then we played Man United, beat them 4-1, and the place was rocking. So when it comes to the, the UNICEF uh, Soccer Aid game, well, we're going to supply the talent, you two guys, even if Wright is not as fit as he was last year, <laughs> as long as we produce the stuff on the pitch, which I'm more than capable of uh, or more than confident that we can do, then the fans will join in the party atmosphere. Now, I'm not sure if there's a DJ planned. Maybe you might know something about this, Ollie. <laughs> but, you know, on the back of the Euros, it's one of those little things that, it, as I say, just added that little bit of buzz, didn't it? So um, I, I can imagine, as you say, 50,000 fans. It's going to be an amazing, amazing atmosphere. Well, I always think we've, I always think we've soccer aid, which, which is, I mean, right, you, you'd know this as well because we've, we've played... In, in quite a few now is it's not a normal football atmosphere it's really it's such a great buzz isn't there and, and everyone cheers for everyone and I've never experienced anything like it. I mean I've performed and sung on stages I've I remember me and Robbie doing you know sold out Wembley Stadium and it's just me on stage with my band it was pretty special but I don't know I mean you I mean Jamie you know this because you play in front of loads of crowds but I mean for us as like me and Wright to be playing in front of 50, 60,000 people is just, it's, it's incredible. We may not have played in front of regular fans in terms of a Premier League team's fans, Ollie, but we've been sat there. We've been to many games, you and I, separately. I met someone the other day at my gym who wanted, who said to me, Mark, I really want to come to soccer. How do I go about getting tickets? This lady I knew. And I said, oh, what, why this year? And she said, oh, basically my kids really got into the Euros. They loved it. And I said to her, if they've never been to a football game, this is the game to take them to. Because... There is something about the fan base. And I mean, that, J-Mo, you only played in one, didn't you, last year, the first time without the crowd. There's something about the fan base. It feels like when you're there, like everyone, and this is going to sound so cliche and cringe, but this is just how I feel. It feels like everyone inside this stadium is just one big family. From every person you look at is smiling. They cheer for both teams. Yeah. The noise, you can't hear each other 
call for the ball, even if you're screaming, because they don't stop making it. Everyone's got face paint. It's just, it's the most beautiful, special day out ever. Like the fan base is just that. For me, it's one of the best things about soccer aid, just seeing all those faces, just everyone smiling. Can I just say, because as I say, having moved, a uh, guy came around to do some work in the house. Big, big Liverpool fan. The guy's a monster, actually, physically. But he's a big, 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 big Liverpool. Yeah, but we, we were sort of chatting while we are doing some work. <laughs> At no point did he even mention, can I get tickets for Anfield? Right? And then they, uh, we were just chatting again. Well, you know, we up to, oh, I've got soccer aid come up. <gasps> can you sort tickets out? And I said, well, you want to go? So my missus has been trying to get hold of tickets last year and this year, blah, blah. And it was like, it was <laughs> all of a sudden his football dreams were coming true because there might be a chance that he could go soccer aid. It was just like, like you're saying there, right? You know, it's a different crowd because you're not going there tribal. I'm supporting England or the rest of the world. You're going, hang on a minute, there's Ollie Murs, there's Mark Wright on there, there's, there's Mo Farah, whoever. It's just kind of like a party atmosphere because everyone on the field is someone that you should like. My mates who are avid football fans, and they're like diehard West Ham fans, come on you irons and all that stuff. They say, all of them say it's the best night out of the year. Like they all book it out of their diary. All, they all come every year and say it's their best night out. No, I was just about to say the same for my family and friends. You know, I could be doing tours, I could be doing shows. The, the one thing they want, they always put in the diary is soccer, eh? They always want to come up and be there for that night. Because like Wrighty was saying, just the, the families that come, the kids, everyone can come, all ages. It's just an amazing. And just the... Just for everyone listening, you know, tickets are still available. You can still buy tickets, soccerade.org.uk. Every ticket sold, that money is going to be in the pot for UNICEF and it's going to help change kids' lives. And just so you know, Ollie, I'm buying my tickets. I'm not expecting freebies. Exactly. That's what we love about you, Jamo. You're the main man. Jamo, why are you making us all feel bad for taking a freebie? No, 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 yeah, but this, this is the thing, right, listen, my mate, my mate's, he's my friend now, if he wants to go out and watch the game, he's not doing it on a freebie because that, that ticket could be sold to someone else, and the guys listening now, you know, 50,000 people at a football match, when was the last time we heard about that, so these tickets are going to go, so you need to get in there, get them, they I'm going to have to buy mine, as soon as this call finishes, I'm going to be on, on the group chat. <laughs> This year, Soccer Aid for UNICEF is all of us against COVID for every child everywhere because kids won't be safe until everyone they rely on is safe. To donate online, head to soccerade.org.uk forward slash donate and your donation will be doubled up to 6.3 million. Thanks to the Children's Investment Fund Foundation. Online donations close on the 6th of October 2021 at 5 p.m., See T's and C's and privacy notice at itv.com. So listen, last question. Obviously this year for me, doing all the soccer aids, the England team feels possibly the strongest England team we've ever had. We've got Wayne Rooney, Paul Scholes and Gary Neville. What are we saying, J-Mo? Give me a prediction for the game. Us versus the rest of the world. Now, we've just been talking about the party atmosphere, how everyone loves each other. I'm giving them three and a half minutes before they start getting booed at the Etihad. (laughs) 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 Uh, No, I I, I mean, Paul Scholes, I say this respectfully, he doesn't need to train. You just give him the ball. He will find anyone anywhere. He is amazing. God, I can't wait. Wazza, as you said, he was in the England game for the final. Robbie Keane was saying to him, you've got to do some training, got to make sure you do this. So Wazza's going to be on it. Oh, what I reckon. I reckon this is the year. Give me a score prediction, right? England, J-Mo's keeping a clean sheet. It's two, we don't even know how goalie is yet, the celeb one, so this OB does as well. I'm going to say 3-1 England. 
Can I just say one thing? If Wayne Rooney plays the second half against a celeb goalkeeper, and you've got Wayne Rooney from 20 yards, 18 yards, pinging balls at you, he's not hitting it down the middle. Wayne Rooney's hitting corners. I actually, I'm actually scared for the rest of the world this year because I actually think Wayne, obviously he scored the most England goals. He's the, 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 scored the most at Manchester United. He is a phenomenal talent, one of the greatest English players of all time. He's still relatively young. He's fit. I actually think this could be embarrassing for the rest of the world. I'm just putting it out there. I'm going to add to that, Oli, because he has to be the best striker I've trained with. Really? Ridiculously. I mean, Robbie Fowler was uh, amazing. Michael Owen was amazing. But I remember because of 2010, those training sessions, the way he was scoring goals was a joke. And it was kind of like, I, I can save most shots, but like he got into this rhythm where it was like, bang, bang, bang. And it's just like, thanks. Can you imagine Ori Aduba? Obviously, is in going to be in goal, right? He's about the same height as me. I think he's about five foot nine. Five nine? You're not five nine. Easily. I'm, I'm probably a five ten, to be honest. But I was, I'm, I'm about five nine, five ten. <laughs> I, no way. Wayne Rooney, I'm telling you now, I don't, we've not had a striker like him at all. We've, we've, I mean, obviously, Alan Shearer. We had Alan and Teddy. Jermaine Defoe was up there. No, Jermaine Defoe Jermaine was, was good. Yeah, exactly. Look how many and look how many goals Jermaine scored. He came off the bench and scored a hat trick, didn't he? He got two, I think. We had Kevin Phillips scored hat trick. Yeah, but how, how many how many of them have scored from the halfway line on a volley against uh, Joe Hart? Exactly my point. I think Ori is going to be apps. I don't think we bring Wayne Rooney on until the second half, and we just say Wayne hit it from everywhere. By the way, can I just say, that's all that Wrighty does in the second half. He gets the ball and hits it from anywhere. That's all you got to do. So if Wrighty's doing it, and Waz is going to be doing it. Oh, can't wait. Well, listen, really lovely talking to you both. Thank you so much for being part of Soccer Aid Stories. Can't wait to see you guys on the 4th of September. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much, you legends. And we'll speak soon. Cheers, guys. Lots of love, guys. Come on, England. Come on, England. (laughs) 